0: Welcome back, everyone. It is Groundhog's Day again. It's Groundhog's <laughs> <laughs> It is week. I don't even know. I don't know, actually, when we're recording this, I don't know when this will drop. Yeah. We probably all will still be at home right. when we hear this. Yeah. Maybe we've had good fortune of summer weather and we're allowed to go to beaches again. I don't know. Anything could happen is what 2020 has taught us.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. The certainty... That we used to have or believe that we have is just like no longer there. And that's just something we have to get used to. And we're seeing it in our line of work. And, you know, you make plans. I think the saying is, and God laughs, but he must be just like on the floor because. This is crazy.
0: Well, we've done a couple of weeks now where we've talked about how we can use COVID-19 to our benefit to pivot and use the opportunity to make changes in the greater scheme. I know we've had a couple of guests on where we've talked about, you know, how can we use the lessons we're learning in COVID to better the education system, which is exactly what we want to talk about today because we often go through this discussion about there's so many challenges and so many things wrong with the education system now. And we always say, well, what are we going to do? Are we just going to throw the baby out with the bathwater? What are we going to do? And oftentimes people are quick to say, that's not possible. It's too much. But we now are living in a time where anything I think is possible because there's so much change happening. Yeah, I know that we're always
1: excited I'm going to say enthused with today's guest she is the author of If I Squeeze Your Head I'm Sorry and a curriculum guide that goes along with it which she so graciously shared with us Gwen Vogelzang thank you so much for coming onto our podcast
2: You bet. It's maybe a highlight of COVID-19. So there's (laughs) nobody around me right now and I'm just talking to two adults. So it's
1: fantastic. Absolutely, yes. (laughs) You had this idea inspired by your son. You're so innovative and so creative. Can you please, I know our conversation's gonna go in a little different direction, but I do want to make note of the wonderful book and curriculum guide, author, if I squeeze your head, I'm sorry. (laughs) The title is, if I squeeze your head, I'm sorry. Can you just talk a little bit about that before we kind of go into our more um, riveting conversation that we kind of dipped into before we pressed record
2: yeah of course i can and that's good timing because we have more time to read right now so yes in the book is actually, I am the co-author, but my 13-year-old son Rylan is yes. the main author. That's true. Rylan was diagnosed with autism and Tourette syndrome and everything that comes with that. It's kind of like the tip of the iceberg and then everything underneath it. But he was gifted with this amazing ability to just be able to describe what it feels like to be him through really imaginative, figurative language. And I have just taken notes his whole life on things he says because it kind of knocks me like out of my reality. Right. And long story short, I was homeschooling him for a semester, which was the most I thought I could handle until COVID-19 happened. And here we are again. We're alive. (laughs) Right. Barely. So we took a lot of his stories about just day-to-day experiences of what it feels like to be him. And I would ask very intentional questions and then just type out and scribe as he talked. And we turned it into this book. So every page is a drawing that he did. And then the other side is the description of why he drew it as it relates to his experience in the world. And then we have a good friend who is also an autism mom who is an amazing artist and she co-illustrated it and just made it from good to great into pure magic. So the book is a ton of fun, and it's really for any age human, because you can learn about people's experience through this no matter what age you are. But the curriculum guide is what excites me the most, because it just offers teachers for every page of the book a more deep dive into whatever that topic was. And strategies for emotional social activities for getting your class to get to know each other on that level rather than on the academic level so yeah it's a fun book we've had a really good time writing it publishing it and then marketing it too so
0: I think that's a wonderful resource I think you know we have talked to a lot of teachers that you know really want to provide more of these a type of opportunities for their kiddos but it's not something that's generally like taught within their curriculum programs so it's not inherently known and so i think having like these teachers don't have to reinvent the wheel being able to have these curriculum guides and really integrate and it's you know this push that we've had for so long towards it's so focused on academics education right to standardized testing everything is so like teach the test and i think we're finally getting around to educators realizing whoa, 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 we've gone too far. We need to back it up. It's not just about reading, writing, and arithmetic. There's so much more to learning. So I
2: love the resource. Yeah, it's tough because even if teachers understand that they need to do that, there's so little space within their roles that they have to incorporate anything outside of this really regimented schedule of academics, which is why this time I think is so exciting because we need the social emotional tools. And so we're excited to get it into more teachers hands. That's my main goal is to have it used in classrooms. Yeah. And it's a digital book too. Yeah. And so it can be used virtual and face to face.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we've had some mindful kind of meditation conversations with teachers. And we actually had a district administrator on our podcast months ago who was really talking about that became her role where, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, this finding the space for it, it can naturally happen within the classroom. And that's kind of how I saw your curriculum guide. Like, of course, like you could sit the kid down and and go through it. But what I appreciated more so about it was the glimpse into Rylan's life, like his mind and not, we don't have that a lot, right? We see the label, we have thoughts of what that label is, and we don't really get to explore the inner depths as much because of our own inhibitions. And so what was great about that is even if a parent had, no, or a teacher had no experience with somebody that was a neurodiverse, this was just a great book that is easy to understand, but it was really like how you had said, kind of like got you out of your reality, right? right. And no, I think that completely. that, right. And when you start from there, then I think you can find the natural ways providing that to your classroom. But I mean, obviously the curriculum guide is an amazing structured. if people really like that structure that they're able to do. But I think what is most, maybe something that could be good coming from this world turning upside down is how we are going to be providing education. Amanda and I have talked about our experiences during this time on a somewhat limited range. And, you know, Things are changing. We are in this for quite some time. You know, rumors about, you know, what the fall is gonna look like. You know, college campuses had made the announcement we're all digital throughout the rest of the year. I assume that the school districts would follow suit. Things are still up in the air. Things are constantly changing. But I loved that was what you wanted to discuss with us, right? Is this is an opportunity and how can we use this as parents to encourage our teachers, to empower them, and to really try to get that tidal wave that has like just washed over us, right?
2: Right. Yeah. Well, it's just never left. It started in the Industrial Revolution, and it's just kind of stuck in some formats. Like, maybe some things have changed, but, you know, I follow suit with, like, the Sir Ken Robinsons, who just like shake people into like, what are we doing? This is not, we're not even teaching them how to get along in the world as we know it. Right. So what are we doing? Like, this isn't a business, right? But when it's treated like a business and we're teaching to tests and it just limits us so much and it limits teachers, creativity and their passion for what they're doing. We just chose to leave the public sector. In Colorado, when we moved to Michigan and we chose to go into a private sector because they have so much more freedom to teach the way they want to and to love kids for who they are. And that has made such an enormous difference for our family, having him in a school that just really sees him and to the whole child and just loves them first and, and then they focus on academics.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, even looking back to just first for generations, how we've approached students like strengths and weaknesses being so surrounded by academic strengths, we forget to look at the other, you know, there's the multiple intelligences that aren't just you know, reading, writing, and you know, they're not just those core academic subjects, they are so many more ways that a child can have a strength, then that strength can translate to life after school, whether it be through their relationships, through communication, or even through jobs, you know, there's. I mean, you know, we think back to like our eight days as, you know, students, and how, like, so many kids in elementary school are asked, like, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And how many kids do you see that say things like teacher, astronaut, firefighter, policeman, mm-hmm. attorney, doctor? Those are like the main kind of options that I think kids see. And unless their parent or someone close to them is doing a job that is very different, they kind of see, it. I mean, even looking at books, on like professions right and because we've so ingrained in our culture that like these are the avenues right you go to college and then you go on to some of these professions but in reality if you look at how many professions there are and how many careers and how many opportunities there are for these kids you know yes if you're great at numbers you might be a cpa if you're great with science you might be a doctor if you're great with writing you might be an attorney but What if you have a combination that is so different, and we need to be looking at education in terms of being able to highlight strengths that aren't these
2: obvious strengths? Right. Well, and like as a kid for myself, I didn't have a clue what I was good at.
1: Right. Because I was
2: okay academically, but certainly not. It wasn't my strength. So I just kind of flailed through life until all of a sudden as an adult with kids, I'm like, oh my gosh, I missed the point. Like. Nobody ever told me to be an entrepreneur. Right. Nobody right, ever yeah. told me to go write a book. Nobody ever yeah. told me to open an airstream business. And those right. are the things that I do now. Right. But who's telling kids that there are thousands of options? Yeah. And who's telling my daughter that her emotional intelligence is so off the charts that we should really start looking at careers geared towards that? She's yeah. dyslexic. Like she is not an academic kid. But she is so gifted at emotional intelligence. So, but there's no curriculum for that. But I don't want to homeschool her forever. Right.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think being able to take into consideration that it's not about reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's that, I've said this several times, we're stuck in the 1950s, but I think you put it even, we're like way stuck. (laughs) And not being able to give our teachers the flexibility. And there are some. There are some that are out there that still kind of move to the beat of their own drum. And those are the teachers I think you remember from when you were a kid, right? And right. it would just be wonderful if we could get every child kind of on that same level, but that you're not getting that in a third grade class. You have the kiddos that are still reading at a first grade level and then you have some that are at a fourth grade level and that that's difficult when you have 40 kids in a classroom and I think that there are programs out there that, you know, are suited for a child with dyslexia but But any child can learn how to read through them. And I think that you talking about the business of school, right? That's really what it's become. And it's really a shame because there's so many tools and resources out there. But teachers are told, no, that's too expensive. Or no, we have a deal with this thing. And so then this is what you're using. And so it really limits you know, these great things that we could be using. I mean, we can look at other countries and they have, you know, nutrition-based learning and they have gardens and they have, you know, maybe you see that in a Montessori school here, but like that's their public school. Like that's how Japan is, right? That's how, and it's disappointing because, you know, as America, you know, we just so entrenched in this, pick yourself up, by your bootstraps and do all that. But then we just like limit so much in the realm of education and that's what's so frustrating why
2: why are our kids sitting at desk doing worksheets when they could be planting carrots right like yeah which of those tools is going to be more applicable right when they are teenagers and adults absolutely well i didn't know how to do anything coming out of school yeah right really yeah so i kind of i went into like before covid I was a, we call it special abilities at our house. I was a special abilities advocate. Do consulting around how do you do inclusion education? But now I'm like, well, inclusion education is education for everyone, Right. This is not like these aren't tools that just work for kids or students with special abilities. Mm-hmm. Right. These are tools that work for the entire community of learners. But to think that big just felt just not doable right. for this. Right. And now I'm like, OK, listen, no, this is the time because all of the strategies that I would go in and recommend are strategies that are going to work for everyone. Right, their universal R- strategy right. and they focus whole child centered learning, they focus on social emotional first they focus on asking important questions of your students so that they can help direct their own learning and pick what they're passionate about so this isn't just what I want you to do for my son who has autism who is <laughs> at the door banging and staring
1: at me yeah. right now,
2: yeah. they're for everybody right? what I've seen in his new school is when kids understand each other for who they are, they respect each other. And then guess what? You have a whole classroom full of teachers because they are all helping each other out and it takes the burden off the teacher. But if your kids aren't in community together and they don't understand each other's strengths and their weaknesses, you don't have that collaborative environment. And then you rely heavily on that teacher Right. To do everything. Right. But his classmates adore him and they work together. He teaches his classmates and they teach him, and it becomes this whole community of learning. And it's beautiful and it works. But you have to focus on that social-emotional piece before you get to the academics.
1: Right, because if if we're sitting here and we're thinking about, you know, especially with an IEP, right? Here we have the Individuals with Disability and Education Act. And, you know, the goal is to produce productive members of society in areas of academic, social-emotional, and vocational. But that shouldn't just be for children with IEPs. You know, that's a right that's been codified. Right, but that should be something that we strive for all children, and I think that that's what's so great about the curriculum guide is giving teachers, you know, something where you know, yes, we're talking about our different abilities because you know, there is no special day classroom in the world. It just does not exist. And that's where Amanda and I, you know, really try to advocate. You know, I mean, obviously we have a nonprofit called Inclusive Education Project. It's like ongoing, right? You know, people are like, well, you know, you're just going to talk about you know kids with special needs. No, we're talking about all children and how our educational system can be changed. But I think that, yeah, now is the time that we really need to start thinking about it because, you know, we're going to be in this position for a while
2: and it's difficult. For our kids, it really is. For those kids who have special abilities, especially right now, that social-emotional piece is killing us because they need that peer modeling and they need those tools. And I'm hoping that the powers that be on a national level that kind of guide educational practices can look at this and say, oh, shoot, it doesn't actually matter that our students know how to do math because right now what they need to know... Is how to meditate to get through as do their parents and so rather than have parents sit there and do math with their kids maybe we should be teaching some really important life skills for emotional regulation yeah so that they're better able to handle like these life situations that the adults don't know how to handle absolutely and, you know,
1: this pressure that parents have are putting on themselves, right, insofar as you are trying to balance so much right now in the middle of a pandemic. And it's just not realistic. It's just not something that we can't have at all. But being able to, I know Rylan's, we would love to say hi to him if if he wants to engage. Oh, he's
2: just really hungry right He's just really hungry.
1: (laughs) We're almost done. It's lunchtime. I don't blame him. Yeah, I know. I know for us it is lunchtime. But I mean, we so appreciate just what it is that you're doing and the way in which you're doing it, you know, being so open about the struggles, about, you know, wanting more. I think that's something that a lot of people, they don't like to be vulnerable. But well, guess what? Everybody is vulnerable right now. So I think that that is something that's also a light is being shined on, which is great.
2: I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that like life is super easy yeah. with him. Yeah, yeah, we published a book and he's amazing. But he has autism. Yeah, so correct. that is not an easy journey. Yeah. But asking really intentional questions allowed me to get to know him in a way that no therapy ever could. Yeah. It was just a simple act of shutting my own mouth and asking him what it feels like to be him. Yeah. And now I understand how to advocate for
0: her. Yeah.
2: Right. And if our teachers have the opportunity to just ask the kids what it feels like to be them, right? How much direction that's going to give them in their classroom, and Absolutely. how to meet them, and how to manage behavior. I say with quotes. Yeah, I don't actually think that's a thing, but yeah. Well, um, and not
0: only how to help them in the classroom, but you know, I think educators have a real obligation to understand students as a whole, not just understand them and how they learn, but who they are. I think. That connection is yeah. really how you can not just build rapport, but be able to figure out how to best help them, yeah. not just the teaching part. Right. But their hands
2: are so tied with this whole teaching to the test that they have to yeah. do. But I kind of laugh right now, like, oh, guess what, government? You have to allocate funding, and they're not taking standardized tests. Yeah. yeah. So you are proving to us right now that you can do it. Right. Because you have to do it. Right. Yeah. So, from this point forward, don't use that as an excuse right. that this is the only way to allocate funds because you're seeing results of their learning. What schools are going to like be able to come back and function? That's what we should be evaluating. Like, yeah. Who's managing these kids' emotional trauma Absolutely. through the course of this COVID-19 time yeah. should be our main concern because Absolutely. they're all going to be behind. But guess what? Who cares? Right. Really. Who cares if they didn't learn all the curriculum they were supposed to learn and there's a lot of parents who are freaking out about that. I know. And I just don't have I don't have patience for it. I just don't. I think they're missing some curriculum this year. I don't care. Right. What are they? Well but we
0: repeat curriculum at the beginning of a school year every year for the mere point that the kids don't retain all of it, which should show us that the information that we're trying to get crammed in their brain clearly isn't the right way if after a couple of months of summer they have to be re it anyway so right. i mean yeah how important is these are these last few months of the curriculum now the other aspects of being in school the socialization the connection you know that's the piece that <clears> throat> sure throat> kids are going to really regress come fall because they're missing that part but right. The other part, you know, I don't see it as, like, catastrophic.
2: No, certainly not. And, you know, there's the kids that fall in the cracks and who struggle with certain things like, you know, dyslexia, for example. Mm -hmm. We're kind of hurting with that. But it's not going to kill us if we have to just kind of reframe how we're doing things in the fall. That's fine. We'll get through it. I wish that we would have had the foresight, which of course you don't, it's a pandemic, right. to be able to give schools a whole different direction right? that they could have been using for this time. Like, all right, set everything aside. Right. We're going to do a class today on how to breathe. Right. Um, and just have that be what how we've handled this. But we have the fall to look forward to maybe being able to do that. So. Yeah. I
1: mean, yeah. I, I think the summer, too, I, I it's never too late. I think you bring up a great point. I don't think, you know, you can always drink more water in a day, even if you the first Half of the day you didn't, you know, and I think that that's what's really important. Like I've said, I think we're going to be here a while. And if everybody can just stop pretending like everything online is going to be exactly like it's going to be in the school, I think that's step one. I think at the beginning of this, it was like, hey, we're going to shut down for two weeks and then we're back at it or, you know. And as this has dragged on, people are being honest with themselves. So yes, while I hope that they can get it together enough to kind of realize those things for the fall, you know, that's why we exist so that we can provide that option or at least that idea moving forward. (laughs) Gwen, we just want to thank you for your time. Thank you so much for coming on. I know a lot of people's attention spans aren't what they used to be. So we are trying to keep our podcasts bite-sized, if you will. Yeah. Where can people go on to learn more about your book with Rylan? I know we saw a little clip of some of the promotional stuff that you um, had sent, and I can't think off the top of my head if you had sent that to us or we found it on your website, but <laughs> why don't you tell everybody yeah. how they can find out more info about you?
2: Yeah, our website is just if I squeeze your head, I'm sorry dot com. And that's also our Instagram and Facebook handles. Awesome. So you can get all of that through the website. And you can get the book, Amazon, Target,
1: Barnes & Noble, all over. Awesome. It's definitely worth a read. And I think it'll give parents something to grasp on to <laughs> in terms of, you know, if they feel like they have to provide some type of curriculum, this is a great curriculum
2: that you could provide. Yeah. yeah it's so, funny. Kids will laugh through the book because yeah. he's hilarious. Yeah. He says things that just absolutely come out of the blue. Right. Right.
1: So. Thank you so much, Gwen. We'll definitely Thank put you. that in the show notes. And uh, hope you guys are hanging in there. And we will talk to you next week. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye.